Hi friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and writer. And I'm Brian Luna. I'm researching what the hell ever happened to hickeys. And you're listening to Talk, Talk Psych, Psych to, to me. me, a show where we take research out of the lab and into the street. Let's get into it. <laughs> I got a hickey right here. Is this... No, you Is don't. that end your research? <laughs> Case closed. Case All right, on closed. to the next topic. All right, next topic. Okay. Yeah. So I'm feeling go. a little nervous. I know. Yeah, you were saying that. You've been saying you've been a little hesitant about today's yeah, topic. Yeah, I kind of changed this topic like uh, several different times. Yeah. I have to be honest. I was hoping today's uh, episode could be kind of like a, a thinly veiled therapy session for me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So then I'm the therapist? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Let me get my pen and pen. <laughs> Are you up for it? Yeah, of course. Okay. All right, I just saw you checking your phone. We're not a no, 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 no. good start. <laughs> I gotta say, Doc. No, 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 no. My 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 little thing vibrated, and I was like, "What the hell? Who's okay? Who could be reaching out to me right now." I don't Rule know. Rule number one of being a good therapist: <laughs> don't look be at your phone. Be in the room. Be present. All right, here we go. Okay, talk so, to me. Tell me your problems. I don't even know if you have this. I think you know I have this. Do you ever have that feeling like, no matter how much you do, and no matter how hard you try, you're never doing enough? Yes. Oh, well, that's great. I just hide it better than you. <laughs> Next patient. Boom. This is do you, easy. Do you ever feel guilty that you have more than other people or that you're luckier than other people? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, I don't. I, I don't. No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think I'm luckier than the average person. I don't think I'm, you know, have more than the average. No, not the average person, but like we have it better than a lot of other people and yeah, animals. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um we, we're always helping, you know, like we're not like sitting on but our are we helping enough. So this is, yes. this is what I want to talk about. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> this is my all the time state. I'm yeah. just realizing this, like you helped me kind of get this out of my head recently. Cause I'm like, what is this thing that I'm feeling all the time? And I'm realizing that it's this constant feeling of not doing enough and feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping that you could fix me and, <laughs> <laughs> and that the research could set me free and, Hopefully there are some listeners who can relate to this or have people in their lives that, yeah. you know, can relate to this. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, let's get it on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wait, what is this called? Is this like a psychological phenomenon? Well, nah, we're good. Phenomenon. So we're going to start with guilt. Okay. Psychology of guilt. I'm familiar with that. And then we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, <got a> mom. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about, you know, the difference between guilt and what I have. <laughs> Okay, like extreme guilt. <laughs> well, we'll get into it. It's a little bit like, of a, it's okay. like a little bit of a murder mystery. Like, what's murdering my sense of calm? So Jeez. when I first the reason murdering I murdering your sense of calm. Well, I was trying. I was just trying to use a murder mystery parallel because I know you like crime junkies Love it. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it really Shout was a little out to bit crime of a, junkies. <laughs> it was a little bit of a of a murder mystery for me because I went into this researching guilt. And then, you know, I used to study emotion. So I was like, oh, guilt. I'm familiar with guilt. And then I started reading more about it. I'm like, I don't think that's what I have. So I'll re kind of reveal to you what I found as we go along. So to parallel for those crime junkies out there like me, yeah. you were looking for a missing teenage girl and you found several bodies. That's right. Yeah. So like you were looking for this person. You're like, oh, I got hopeful. And then all of a sudden you found like a whole field exactly. of bodies. Exactly. Gotcha. So let's talk about the missing girl first. Yeah. This and then we'll get to this, the bodies. This parallel is confusing. So, no, no, no. It's great. Uh, so the, we're going to talk about guilt first, psychology of guilt. Okay. Yeah. So uh, how would you define guilt? I would define guilt. Oh, geez. That's loaded. I know um, it might be difficult for you given how rarely you experience I, I it. I don't feel it. I, I don't understand. Uh, no, guilt is like, um, I guess it's like this pressing feeling in the back of your head that you could have done more, that you should have been there more, or, you know, kind of like a, a regret, but more intense form of regret, mm. like a self-imposed regret. regret for something you yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like, it's like you put it on yourself. Yeah. So psychologists Tigner and Colvin define it as a negative affect state. So bad feeling uh, that occurs. <laughs> Thanks, Tiggs. <laughs> that occurs in response to a transgression or shortcoming. It's it's one of okay. the emotions that's called a self-conscious or self-blame emotion. All right. And there's an important distinction to make between guilt and shame. How would you make that distinction, Doctor Luna? Oof. Well, I think guilt is inner and shame is outer. Right. So like uh, the mm. outside stimuli coming from shame and guilt <clears throat> is inside. What are you talking? You should feel really bad about yourself for uh, that answer. I don't feel really bad about myself because I know I nailed it. You're going to give me some some long winded thing that some guy named Tigaroni or whatever gave, and then they're going to no, be like, "That's uh, right." For this, I'm going to turn to an early shame researcher named Helen Block Lewis. You okay mm -hmm. with that name? Yeah, so okay. far. Block B L O C or B L O C K. B L O C K. All right, that's fine. Okay. Not B L O C H. Block. No. <laughs> so uh, Lewis writes, "Shame is about the self." Well, guilt is about things in the real world. So That's acts, what I just said. No, you said shame is about things outside. 
coming in outside stimuli and guilt is inside what you carry. No, and I'm oh, saying nailed it's the it. Opposite. Me and Lewis. I'm literally saying the opposite. Wait, okay, listen. Wait, see, right. Repeat again. Shame is about the self, internal, inside. Yeah. It's about who I am. That's what I said, but I just switched it. You just said it wrong. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she's wrong. So let's say you're wrong, right? Yeah. Like you just were. <laughs> a moment ago. <laughs> if you feel badly about what you did, that's guilt. If you feel badly about who you are, that's, that's shame. shame. Just because you finished my sentence doesn't make it your sentence. No, it's my sentence. Shame. <laughs> Got it. Y'all get that? Okay, good. Uh, and so this distinction is actually more than just a matter of words. Researchers Bastin and team found that they are actually distinct neural correlates, meaning that shame and guilt show up differently in our brains. Okay. Shame and I'll guilt... I'll take your word for it because I don't have those numbers. <laughs> I don't have those numbers. Have those numbers. <laughs> um, shame and guilt also lead to different behaviors. Mm -hmm. So in general... Guilt leads to action. Mm -hmm. Shame leads to inaction. inaction. <laughs> That's a good strategy. I Got like it. That, yeah. Did everybody get that? <laughs> Guilt, action, shame, inaction. inaction. And we're yeah. gonna do the rest of this podcast like a together. Greek chorus. Oh, sorry. Together. Together. Toge Greek, Greek chorus. Together. Gorse. Okay. Together. Good enough. Got it. <laughs> anyway, but I think that's really important. So if you're ever like, "What am I feeling? Guilt or shame?" Guilt is like this propeller. It it moves you. It makes you do stuff. Okay. Shame pulls you inward yeah, that and makes, makes you withdraw. Um, these differences are visible from a really early age. So, for example, in a study of two-year-olds, Drummond and team tricked these kids into thinking that they broke an adult's toy. Are you really tricking a kid? Or are you just kind of telling them, you no, trick you adults? Them, you know that I tricked kids yeah, I know. I know. for this like is a whole great. year of this my life. So I'm not going to talk this. about this here, but I used to be part of a lab called the Emotion Regulation Project, and I spent <laughs> about a year, maybe maybe a year and a half of my life Tormenting basically children. making children cry and studying them. <laughs> but it was for research, so it's all good. So anyway, they so like they, they basically led these kids to believe that this toy they were playing with that was already broken, they made them think that they broke it. Okay. And what they found is that the kids who felt shame, they hid the toy and they avoided eye contact. <laughs> Shoot. And the kids who felt guilt, what do you think they did? They told. They were yeah. like, look, I did this. They confessed it. They even stuff. tried to fix the toy. So yeah. they put in a lot of effort. So, so. Oh, shoot. I would have yeah. been the kid that fixed it. But I have shame. I, like, so I, you can absolutely have both. And yeah. this is where it gets complicated. Because a lot of times, especially it can start with guilt. And then yeah. like, if you don't find a way to repair that guilt, it can kind of seep in and make you feel like you're the problem. It's not what you're doing. It's who you are. If we go back to the chips. When I crushed your chips. Yeah. Right? In a, in a moment of anger, I yeah. got so mad at you, I crushed all your chips. Remember, we talked about that in previous podcasts. Yeah. But I told you about it. So, like, right, that was guilty. guilt. Yeah. yeah. If you felt shame, well, you would have hit... Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> wait, wait. No, no, no. You're, right. You're on, on something. Keep Hold going. On. You found the body. You got a clue. Where's the girl? Wait, Where's the girl? didn't I discover the chips? Where, didn't you hide no, the chips in no, the back of the no, chips? No, you ate the chips and you didn't realize because because you don't look at your food when you eat. <laughs> you just shoveled them in and you didn't even know that they were all broken. Shoveled. I had to tell you okay. that they were broken. So you felt guilty. Yeah. 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 So in general, guilt tends to be a much more kind of healthy emotion. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is delving into another topic, but like... Oh, you want to make this about you? No, no. If we're going to stay on crime, you know, like like uh, I watch a lot of crime documentaries. There's a few on, on Netflix right now and they get the guy in there who killed his wife and they're trying to get him to confess. And they're they're like, look, it's done. Just get it off your chest. Yeah. Just get it off your chest. And they, they try to get him to drive him to an action instead of going, you killed her. You're a yeah. sorry son of a gun. You never want to make someone yeah. feel badly about their actions because if they feel badly, that urge to repair goes away and you have the urge to hide or to so protect it's yourself. So, it's so true. Like now that I'm, I just watched one recently and they, they did the same thing. They just went to the guy and they were like, look, it's okay. Look, just get it off your chest. You're going to feel yeah. so much better. And the yeah. guy was like, gave up the goods. And gave it up is. The goods. So, so guilt is what's called a pro-social emotion, which means that it makes you do good things. Guilt does. Guilt. Yeah, yeah. it's pro-social. So I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Um, so in one study by Grattan and Rick, they made people think of a time that they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And then they show them a bunch of different words. And what they found is that the people that felt guilty actually paid more attention to what the researchers called reparatory stimuli. So it's words like help, apologize, and fix. Hmm. So when I feel bad, if I'm feeling guilty about it, not yeah. feeling shame, but feeling guilt, I'm going to be thinking about those fixing type words. And they found that those people had a positive association with those words. So it's like those words alleviated that negative tension. Of guilt. So can you, you can feel, like you were saying, you could feel both 
shame and guilt about the same thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. So what does that, what does that mean? You, you don't confess or you... you're screwed. Yeah. Right. Is, I mean, it must because <laughs> it you have to be get over hard. one before shame you can take Shame is very care. powerful. Yeah. I would say a lot of times the shame... Shame wins. Shame wins, I think. Yeah. So if you can try to alleviate some of that shame, let the guilt do the work, yeah. repair the situation that in some cases depends on how deeply those two things go. I'm sorry, would you say guilt then is physiological and shame is psychological? No, they're both psychological and physiological. Shame, so both of them in some ways are... I'm just waiting for you to agree with me on one thing. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Both of them are, it it seems, like helpful for society. Guilt is about repairing, right? You want people to feel badly about the things they did so that they can fix it and not do those bad things again. Shame is a little bit weirder because it's like, why would you want people to withdraw? It's most likely maybe we evolved with it because it makes us sort of hide from people that we could either harm again, or maybe it's a way for us to avoid being poorly treated by others so it's like a protective mechanism whenever you see like uh judges at sentencing what ends up happening is they all shame the person that's all like here's what you did yeah so the judge does that and i almost feel like man you could have gone the other way and really tried to appeal to their human i mean maybe that's one of the reasons shame exists is it it makes people withdraw from society yeah like maybe you know if you're talking about how we evolved you shame people who did bad things to leave your group Okay, can I tell you some yeah, more please. guilt guilt research? I totally know that you're really into shame. I did want to talk about guilt mostly. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. This is a new concept. And then to I promise so I'll do a understand. whole other this episode. This is all very new, and shame. I'm bouncing around in my head, and it's fascinating to okay. me because like all these things are lighting up in my brain. Like, oh, that's what that means. I, and that's that's what, that what that red thing is right up there. Yeah, oh, yeah. right there. I, I do promise we will have another episode on shame. I'm, I'm listening today. Guilt. Yes. Okay. And I don't feel bad about that. Uh, so, so here's another study. This one's by Zhang and team. Uh, so they told people to think about times when someone acted more morally than they did. More morally. Okay. Yeah. Can you think of an example of a time, for example, that I acted more morally than you? Than you acted? No. Come on. Me. Um... <laughs> Just think of any time that someone did something and you were like, God, that, that's a good act that they took that I didn't take. Oh, geez. I can't think of anything specific. Not because I think I'm morally above. I just can't sure think of anything like specific. It. No, can you think of a time where you were more morally, more, more, more morally right <laughs> than me? More morally right than you? Just give me an example because I, I I don't have one. Oh, like a time that I was better than you. <laughs> at, at, that I took a <laughs> Yeah, however action. you want to phrase it, T. Yes, that you were better than me, that you were more moral, <laughs> that you were more righteous. <sighs> um... I don't know, like you getting upset and yelling at the dog and me staying calm or um, high horse, me eating fewer meat products or AK no meat products. Okay. Animal products. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Me watching more football than you. Uh, or like while you're asleep and I'm watching All right, uh, this isn't boxing We're keep... and I'm watching what more that? boxing that... than you. Okay. I don't understand then, how that's Then morally... you're like, you fell asleep and I'm like. <sighs> Again, this is about morals. So Jong and team, their participants did a better job at this than, than you did. And so maybe that'll make you feel guilty. <laughs> so what they found is that inducing guilt in other people just by thinking about a time someone acted more morally yeah. actually led those people to act more selflessly in the future. So okay. it made them better. Thinking about how other people acted more morally, like giving up a seat on the subway sure. or something like that. Like just noticing that and being like, oh, I should have done that. Yeah, I should have done that. Makes you more likely. So to down the road, I'm more likely to give up my yeah. seat on several occasions. Yeah. Oh, that's so short term guilt can be great. And there's an easy fix for it, which is you just write your wrong, either yeah. the present one or in the future. But that's the problem for me is... I don't feel guilty about a specific thing. This yeah, is where... so you're talking about your guilt, and I'm like, I what know. do you feel guilty about? Well, that's the thing. I constantly feel guilty for not doing more, or oh. for like, look how lucky I got in life, or like, I'm not suffering right now, and other people and animals are suffering. And I'm like, constantly thinking about that. Yeah. And that drives all the actions I take. So it's not like I can go say sorry to someone, and then poof, the guilt is over. I'm just in this constant state of, of guilt. Trying to make amends. But like no, the, not trying to make amends. Trying to like do more. No, but that's what I mean. You're trying to do more. Like I, it's like to, almost like to, I'm trying to balance the scale of the world. If yeah. I have time, if I have energy, if I have health, if I have resources, I should be doing something with that. Sure. So it turns out that's not guilt. But as I dug deeper into it, because I was like, it feels like guilt. What is it? Turns out there's a concept called guilt proneness. Oh. Which is a whole other thing. So guilt is an emotion. Guilt proneness appears to be a personality trait. 
Okay, so what's the difference between guilt and guilt proneness other than... Guilt is like, I did something and I feel this emotion. Guilt proneness is I constantly feel either slightly guilty for just existing or I'm constantly anticipating that I might harm someone or I'm constantly sort of hyper aware of people's emotions. So we're let's let's break this yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you I'll test your guilt proneness okay. cuz I'm actually genuinely curious about this. I don't know this about you. Um, <laughs> I have two assessment options for you, Brian Lena, okay. okay, to find out how guilt prone you are. One is called this will be like a choose your own adventure. Do you want to take the Tosca, which stands for test of self-conscious affect, or do you want to take the GASP assessment, which stands for Give me for the GASP. I don't care. I like GASP better. Okay. Let's go. Tosca sounds sounds like uh, a light. It's all the marketing, right? Psychologist, if you're listening, like, and you're just putting together an acronym and just throwing letters together, like they're like at the bottom of your purse or something. Just make it something sticky, right? Gas. Because Tosca, you could have done so much catso, or you know what I mean. Like you could (laughs) have done so many. You would take the the catso or the gas. I'd be like, I love cats. Do the catso. Tosca. Tosca sounds like like something you'd get at like uh, cozy or something. Could I get the Tosca? Soup. Is there Tosca in that? That's actually making me kind of hungry. Okay. So let's do the gasp. Uh, right. This was an assessment developed by Taya Cohen and team. I'm just going to ask you a few of the gasp questions. And uh, usually this is a one to seven scale. Well, what about one to ten? Who goes to seven? Seven is good because it sort of forces people to like pick a side instead of being I in the guess. middle. All right. So do I have to close my uh, eyes or anything? No, you don't have to close your eyes unless you want to. I'm going to close my eyes. All right. <laughs> so uh, I just want you to tell me, are you very likely or very unlikely to experience each of the following. On a scale of one to seven. No. Oh, just likely or unlikely. Exactly. Okay. So very... likely or unlikely. Yeah, just give me likely choices. or That's unlikely. That's it. That's all I got. Guilty and listeners, or not guilty. Listeners follow okay. along. All right. So number one, after realizing you have received too much change at a store, you decide to keep it because the sales clerk doesn't notice. What is oh. the likelihood that you would feel uncomfortable about keeping the money? Very likely. Okay. Uncomfortable. Yes. Very, yeah. Uncomfortable. Okay. Number two, you are privately informed that you are the only one in your group that did not make the honor society. I guess this is used with, with college students because you skipped too many days of school. Mm-hmm. What is the likelihood that you would lead, that that would lead you to become more responsible about attending school? You're sober and single? Tune in to the Sober Dating Podcast with Kathy Vandenberg. We are constantly evolving and learning new things. This is why at the Sober Dating Podcast, we not only talk about expanding your love life, we share space with the many subjects that surround love and recovery. Through exploring our traumas, we build ourselves into better human beings, ultimately becoming better partners to those we choose to connect with in love. Join us as we explore the richness of sober love, beauty, many experience, and solitary life and how recovery brings it all together. The Sober Dating Podcast, new episodes weekly. Join us for conversations that will set you and your love life in a new direction. If I was dragging the team down, or, or, no. or like if this was just me, it's just yeah, affecting me. it's just me. you. It's just you. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Like, I'm trying to balance out. What is it? What is, what is Likely honor, or unlikely. Honor society. Can we change it instead of honor society? Like yeah. uh, The uh, heroes society. Can we just say like sports team or something? Yeah, sports team. Okay, yeah. so like if I'm on like the football team or something like that. You're on the football uh, more team. More likely. More likely. Okay. Uh, number three, you reveal a friend's secret that your friend never finds out. What is the likelihood that your failure to keep the secret would lead you to exert extra effort to keep secrets in the future? okay wait a second i'm not trying to make this difficult a friend told me a secret yeah and i told that secret yeah you told someone else that didn't sound like me but okay i told the secret how likely am i to keep more secrets in the future because i told uh, very likely you're likely to keep secrets better hell yeah all right okay uh all right number four what kind of weasel yeah but what kind of weasel tells it all right whatever okay you strongly defend a point of view in a discussion Mm -hmm. and though nobody was aware of it you realize you were wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. what is the likelihood that you would make that this would make you think more carefully before you speak (laughs) i got away with it not very likely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if right. i neoed that if i was like the matrix and i dodged that bullet i would i would okay. try to dodge another all one. right uh, and here i thought things were going so well okay and let two more i'm being honest yeah i love it okay number five <laughs> at a co-worker's housewarming party you uh-huh. spill red wine on their new cream colored carpet you that's covered... their fault but go ahead <laughs> you cover the stain with a chair so that nobody notices your mess jeez i'm a scumbag in these situations <laughs> all right keep going wait. what is the likelihood that you would feel that the way you acted was pathetic very likely okay uh last one you secretly commit a felony 
The, what? That Jesus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What if we went from wine and spilling secrets to First of all, I wouldn't drink red wine, but I get it. What is the likelihood that you would feel remorse about breaking the law? Very likely. <laughs> okay. That's the last question. You can open your all eyes. Right, right. You did not have to close your eyes. I, I just felt better. I just felt like I was like more, <laughs> I don't know, um, honest. So those were just the... Those, I have to look at myself. <laughs> those are just the guilt proneness questions. Can okay. I just read you two of the shame proneness questions real quick, just kind of for fun? What are the shame? That's the Tusca? No, no. This is still part of GASP. The oh. S stands for shame. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So after making a big mistake on an important project at work in mm-hmm. which people were depending on you, your boss criticizes you in front of your coworkers. Yeah. What is the likelihood you would feign sickness and leave work? Unlikely. Okay. That's a shame one. So notice how that's like a withdrawal. Yeah. And then here's another one. Your home is very messy and unexpected guests knock on your door and invite themselves in. Yeah, what I is the likelihood the that you would avoid the guests until they leave? <laughs> Very likely. That's, but that also goes back from what I was telling you that we don't answer the door for people that don't announce, don't come in and out. Oh so my God. that's, you know, here where we live now, there, <laughs> there's like all these, all this like glass right around our yeah. door. You know? Oh yeah. And we've had so many times where someone knocks on our door here and I, there's this like little nook I have in the kitchen where I just stand and I hide. Yeah, I go into the, I go into the, uh, the living room. There's, they can't see you there. Uh, anyway, but again, we're not talking about shame, talking about guilt. So you're, so you were like pretty guilt prone based on the answers to to this question Mm -hmm. do any of these resonate with you do you tend to apologize excessively even if someone bumps into you you know (laughs) i've said sorry to inanimate objects it depends where i am i know it's gonna sound terrible but like i tend to apologize if i'm more around white people than if is that guilt proneness or is that like self-preservation <sighs> or is it question. stereotype threat? I don't know. It, I think I talked about this recently or, or or what have you, but like I also feel like I'm always trying to like make myself less threatening or yeah. something like that. So I find myself doing that where I'm where I'm the minority. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, I mean you're not alone in that. That's so, you know, often part of stereotype threat. It just you're... sucks to say that that I do that. You know, what I mean yeah. it doesn't make me feel good, but it's it, I'm being honest here. Like yeah. that's what it that's what it does. So would you want to apologize just, just more like... to other people or would you want to apologize less to white people? Apologize less to white people. Okay. <laughs> so everyone's getting less apologies. Everyone's right? there's just less apologies. Thank you for sharing that. Here's another kind of yeah. aspect of guilt proneness. Do you have an exaggerated sense of responsibility toward others? Probably, yeah. Okay. And then do you feel like you don't deserve the luck or happiness you have? No. No, I mean I, I do feel like you I feel deserve good about it. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a place where we kinda where we kinda differ. All right. So you're relatively guilt prone. Thank you. I'm highly guilt prone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a if I so, get a... so question for you, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. Because it keeps us all accountable for what we're saying and who we're saying it yeah. to. And I think we could all use a little accountability right now in mm. this world with everything going on. And so important to be right instead of being uh, honest. Sounds like you know? uh, you're saying more people should be like me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it turns out that there's actually a whole lot of good that comes out of guilt proneness. It's correlated with emotion recognition. Um, so basically having the ability to read people better, which is exactly what you said, having better awareness of people. So people who are more guilt prone are kind of like anticipating, how is this person feeling? How is this thing that I do going to make this person feel? It's connected to empathy and the willingness to consider other people's perspectives. Mm -hmm. Guilt prone people are seen as more capable leaders by their peers. Hmm. Interesting one, right? Yeah. And they're viewed as more trustworthy. So I'm more likely to depend on someone or leave my wallet with someone if I think that they're prone to guilt. They tend to be more likable and even more influential. So in this study by Allison Wood Brooks and team, researchers approached people on a rainy day and asked to borrow their phones. Okay. In one condition, they said, I'm sorry about the rain. Can I borrow your cell phone? In the other condition, they said, can I borrow your cell phone? Wait, I'm sorry about the rain? Yeah. I'm sorry about the rain. I'm sorry it's raining. Can I borrow your cell phone? Yeah. They call it a superfluous apology because it's it's like, unless you... somehow made it rain yeah so i'm sorry about the rain can i borrow your cell phone or can i borrow your so is this a hack to get people to like you better so question what do you think the results were when people were asked to borrow the phone and no then they didn't apologize for the rain what percent of people said yes they didn't apologize for the rain yeah uh like two percent 
said okay. yes. Nine percent. Okay. And uh, then the other thing, I would say like seventy percent. Forty-seven percent. Very yeah. close. But you know what? This was done in like 2013, I think. So maybe people were more protective of their phones. Oh back hell then. yeah! Because you had minutes back then. Yeah, shit, you had minutes back then. Right. No, no, man, I only got six I minutes. Mean, be you could text. Yeah. Shit, you you could text somebody. Shit. Depends. Are you calling long distance? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So no, were that was that in 2000? Maybe people still had minutes. I don't know. Then. Anyway, point is nine percent, forty-seven percent, big yeah. difference, Huge difference, right? So yeah, it Huge. could be a hack. It's like an influence hack where you apologize for something show regret and that immediately tells the other person oh this person is like sensitive if you're at a club and you're trying to pick someone up you walk up to that person like sorry about the noise um can i buy and you're like oh no no no, that's it's like tell tell me sorry about the rain i'm sorry about the rain and then and then do the whole thing can i borrow your phone i'm sorry about the rain uh can i borrow your no say it like a human (laughs) say it like if you would talk to another human being i'm sorry about the rain can i borrow your cell phone yeah yeah oh my god i just did that was like holy shit that's amazing yeah yeah. sorry about the rain oh no no it's no problem okay and here's one more finding this one's kind of most messed up so researchers francis flynn and rebecca schaumburg found that people who are prone to guilt tend to work harder perform better miss fewer days of work regardless of whether they like their job or not. Wow. So these people, yeah, aka my people, yeah. you, you, you I guess, people. too. Like, we just drag ourselves <laughs> yeah. around because of this weird commitment to doing good. Yeah. You have that, too? Yeah, of course. Of course. Why is that so surprising? You're not the only one who's likable. Jeez. <laughs> now I see why you're like, this whole topic is about me. Because it's about being likable. And you turn it on to like, the guilty. And the people who feel guilty. Oh, what was me? But and you're I like, actually... well, we're the most likable. Yo, we're the most dependable. <laughs> what do you like, Brian? Because I don't know that about you. Damn, you don't know that about me? Damn. No, of course I know that. I just didn't know it was coming from a place of guilt. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I, I didn't know that about you. And... you. We did have guilt about different things. Yeah. And I think yours is set to a much broader, like a bigger problem. More generalized. Yeah. You're, well, not generalized, but you have like a, you take on like, again, with, with cru- cruelty to animals and animals that, that need help. Like you, that's a huge thing. I, I mean, I still feel so terrible for you now that I think about it. Cause like you put a lot of weight on your shoulders, kid. Well, I guess you focus really deeply on your relationships and the people you work with and the people that are closest with you. And for some reason, my brain zooms out to like, yeah. how can I be eating this pudding or whatever that's not true i'll, I'll eat pudding no matter what but like, how could i be you know watching this tv show while people and animals are suffering yeah. and i could literally be doing something about it yeah. and i promise i wasn't reading that research to like make myself feel better actually it made me kind of pissed off because i'm like th- like reading about the um flynn and schaumburg research all these people are like oh so should we make employees feel guilty should we hire more guilty people and oh. i'm like oh my god well yeah a- a- anytime you get someone People are always going to try to weaponize what they can. Yeah. And I don't mean weaponize, but I mean like utilize and, and use that. Yeah. So, so yeah. And, and of course there are downsides. Like, yes, maybe you're perceived as more responsible and trustworthy and blah, blah, blah. But all of that Holy comes shit. Like, cost. I'm sorry. I, in my old jobs, our managers used to guilt us to come in on our days off. And I see this online right now. Uh, there's a huge like TikTok thing where mostly with servers and people in the service industry where their manager calls them, try to come in on a ship because they're understaffed and they're saying no. And it's like a big celebration wow. on the other end. But like for us, it was the same thing. You know, when we worked in retail, you know, having to, to come in and you're, and you felt an amazing sense of I would, responsibility. Oh my gosh. And I would come in on my days off regardless. I would, yeah. you know, so it makes sense that guilt prone people are people that you kind of want yeah. to be working with. But if you are someone who is guilt prone, it can really suck. Guilt creates stress and pressure in our bodies and our minds. Can I create an itty-bitty version of uh, an experiment on you, originally conducted by Martin Day and Ramona Babacel? Yep. Give me Babacel. Okay. Give it to me. Uh, so I know you had a hard time thinking about a time someone was more moral than you. Can you think of something? <laughs> it sounds, why do you make it sound so terrible? Like I was like, I'm just I couldn't... teasing you. Yeah, yeah. You're the best person I know. <laughs> uh, think of a time you did something wrong, like lying, stealing, cheating. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay. No. You don't have to tell us what it is. Give us like one word about it. Okay. Lying. Lying. Okay. So now I want you to pay attention to your body. Okay. How heavy do you feel relative to how heavy you usually feel? Well, my muscles do weigh me down on a regular. <laughs> like normal? Do you feel lighter? Do you feel heavier? When I said lying? No, just thinking about it. Think about oh, what heavier. You did. I feel like I feel like I felt my 
right above my stomach, right below my chest, like the little bread basket area. Yeah. I felt that felt, well, it feels like a little, like a kettlebell in there. Okay. And now imagine you have to carry um, two bags of groceries up a hill. And on a scale of one to 10, how difficult does that sound? For me? Not very difficult. <laughs> so what number? Uh, Like a four. Like a four. Okay. So, and I'm what, picturing a really steep hill. A very steep I'm hill. I'm just yeah. a hoss. <laughs> uh, we'll do another episode on ego. Um, so <laughs> when researchers induced guilt, they found mm-hmm. that people felt physically heavier. Mm-hmm. And they felt that physical tasks, like carrying groceries, yeah. would require them to exert more effort oh. than in the control condition. Hmm. So imagine, as a guilt-prone person, I guess you don't have to imagine, this is what it is. It's like you're walking around kind of weighed down yeah. and heavy all the time, at least to some extent. If it's severe and chronic enough, like if it's lightweight, generally it seems to be fine. If it's severe and chronic, it can lead to burnout, a sense of joylessness, and even physical illnesses like headaches, back pain, heart disease, gastrointestinal disorders, and metabolic and endocrine dysfunction. Well, well yeah, I can see that affecting blood pressure and things. Right. Like when people are, are have like... Holding secrets or things like that. Well, like, and I'm know. not even talking about carrying around guilt, but guilt proneness. Oh, guilt proneness. So just that sure. constant sense that you're like mildly responsible all the time, basically. Well, or I heavily responsible that when you, when you get into your, when you go down the rabbit hole of that, like, I know you feel this on a constant basis, but there are days when you wake up and you're like really trying to figure out what you can do that day. I notice that you physically look more worn down. Uh, you get tired and sleepy, maybe even have headaches. Yeah. So, that's, wow, that's interesting. It's true. It's true. And here's another downside to guilt proneness. So researchers Wiltermuth and Cohen gave people with no accounting experience a tough accounting test. And then they asked them, do you want to be paired up with another participant who is an expert in this area? What would you say? What would you do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd want to. Okay. So right? here's what they found. People who were guilt prone were less likely to be paired up with an expert because they didn't want to drag that other person down. Interesting. Because they were like, how can I contribute? I don't know anything. So I'm just going to do this on my own. Would you do that? If you gave yourself that test, would you, would you go pair with an expert or would you? No, I would feel like I'd slow them down. Because I figure you would pair with an expert and be like, I'll use my expertise. (laughs) Because that's how you are. Like, I remember when we were playing uh, dodgeball and instead of like saying, oh, I don't want to play because I'm going to bring the team down. You put yourself in the back and give you <laughs> gave balls. The ball to, yeah, you gave balls to everybody. You're like, no, you're no, you don't need a ball. I remember you shut something down. You're like, no, you're not doing very well with throwing. So you're, I'm going to give the ball to so and so. And so you, so I figure you wouldn't. You, I, mean, I think depends. your ego is too much. Yeah, you, I feel very would. competent. Yeah. So it's hard for me to imagine, but I think if it was like literally something where we would be judged together, oh no, I don't think I would want to drag someone down. I, w- I think they would... Unless I would feel like, you know what, I can contribute my... That's what know, I'm saying. ...people I, skills here. I, I, would, I would... my I would, project management yeah, skills here. I, I if would, I felt I like wouldn't. I could contribute, then yeah. If I felt like I couldn't contribute, no. But, but we, we, we don't know what the thing is. Like, I mean, in this case, it was a... it was An accounting. Yeah, which I'm great at. That's but, what I'm saying. Like, no, I, would, I know, but if it was something I was terrible at, you know... Dodgeball. <laughs> you were terrible at dodgeball. Anyway. And you still put yourself in the mix and we're handing out balls to everybody. The point is that this study shines a light on is that people who are guilt prone are less likely to ask for help. Yeah. I, You know, I don't know. I, I think I do ask for help. That's something that I have learned yeah. over time. But I definitely feel bad asking for help for longer than like small pieces of time. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely want to make it worth someone's while. Yeah. So I'll I'll ask for help and then I'll try to like make sure that it's a great experience for them. I think that's what makes you a good leader. Because this whole yeah. guilt thing, it says in your from your research that they're also great leaders. Maybe that's what it is: is that they always look out for the people helping yeah. uh, in any way. Like I mean, ex- it's even, true. Even so accounting the, experts, right? So, so even if it does lead to these really good things for yourself and others, the question is like, could you do? Could you get those positive effects without? the negative consequences of feeling guilty all the time. Hmm. I personally also got curious about feelings of stress and anxiety. Um, So do they stem from guilt proneness, for example? And it turns out that it's a matter of degree. So the majority of guilt prone people seem to be just fine. Like you could be guilt prone and yes, it creates some stress, some pressure, but generally it seems fine. Then the second dead body appeared (laughs) because what I learned is that deeper than guilt proneness is something called hyper-responsibility syndrome. Holy shit. So this is like, this is really a layered little onion there. I know. So I thought guilt proneness was like, that's it. But that, no. what you just said, that's you. 
that's me. So that's why I was like, I want to talk to you about this, even though I don't fully have my head around it yet. So basically hyper responsibility syndrome, also known as toxic guilt, false responsibility, inflated responsibility, and compulsive responsibility. I think I have each of those. <laughs> it's actually, it's kind of like a generalized free floating guilt hmm. and an intense desire to constantly do something about it. Hyper responsibility hmm. is when the feeling is intense and chronic, and it's actually linked to obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, and generalized anxiety disorder. Batman. Batman? Batman. Oh my Batman gosh, is, Batman. Is, is... Well, that's why I'm so fascinated by superheroes. I'm like, how do superheroes ever take a break? I was just talking about this recently. Yeah, I'm recently. like, how does Batman, well, how does it's interesting S- Superman go on a date? Three you know? heroes come to mind with the hyper, what is it? The hyper responsibility. Hyper responsibility. Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman. Batman uses his hyper responsibility in a more more of a psychopathic way by taking on the entire city and refuses help from heroes that can make a difference. Oh, like he doesn't want any Green Lanterns in his, he doesn't want Superman in his city, he doesn't know absolutely no heroes. And by doing so, maybe creates more problems than it solves. Yeah. Um, people are going to complain about that, but that's Batman. I don't give a <laughs> crap what you say. He's a crazy person. Um, and, and we don't even say crazy in that moment. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> And there's Spider-Man whose whole, his uncle, who was his father figure's dying wish, dying thing, with great power comes great responsibility. And you're just like, oh, geez, Uncle Ben, thanks a lot. (laughs) Thanks a lot. While he was being selfish. This was while he was being selfish and and like he wasn't there to stop the crime. So, of course, he carries that. Oh, so that's guilt and shame forever. All in a ball. So that's why he takes on more and he, he, you know, he's constantly battling. He he doesn't really have time for relationships because of his. And same thing with Superman. Superman is the exact same way. Superman has a little bit easier because he's he moves at super speed. So, yeah, he can get from A to Z in zero seconds, but he still has to balance that relationship with caring for one person, Lois, mm-hmm. and caring for the planet, being responsible for every human being on the planet. Yeah. But his his dad was very helpful in that, saying, like, you know, you're, you're Superman and you're one person, so you've got to balance. You can't okay, be everywhere Okay, so better than Uncle Ben. Better than Uncle Ben, whose dying wish was like, hey, man, save. You got take great. It on, take, take it, it on. on. Take it all on. You can handle it, Pete. Croak. So that's so that's the issue. Is it's it's not sustainable. And just as you know, you just mentioned superheroes, and you happen to be wearing a a sweater right now with a superhero on it. Do you know who they are? Yeah, Superman and. Is that Ali? That's right. <laughs> Muhammad Super Ali. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Not technically a superhero, but I um, guess technically in your... In never mind. Eyes, yes, sure. technically a superhero of sorts. He stopped an Anyway, the point invasion. is, it's it's reinforced, right? Yeah. So, like, this is why it is in an extreme form a subset of OCD, because that leads you to the compulsion, which is doing something about it. Yeah. And then it's reinforced because it's not in my head. I literally can use my time to help people and animals. Yeah. So... It's not like this imaginary thing. It's constantly, constantly reinforced. Superman. People are constantly like, yay, thank you, Superman. It's really, really hard to figure out what to do about it because it's real. There are positive consequences, and yet it's not sustainable, I guess, unless you are Superman or or Spider-Man. I feel really bad about Batman because that dude's just a... Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans a show about interesting and quirky human behavior. We bring humor, empathy, and warmth to topics such as relationships, dating, work, self-compassion, weddings, phobias, aging parents, travel mishaps, death, and many more. Ever wonder what happens at a cuddle party? We talk about it. Free-range kids in restaurants? We've got some thoughts. Bedtime stories for adults? We're on it. Light, fun, unscripted conversation and personal stories... Please join us by clicking the link in the show notes. Yeah, he's just a guy. He's just a guy who took t- took on all crime in Gotham. So you mentioned uh, Uncle Ben. What are other theories you have around guilt proneness and hyper responsibility? So just regular guilt proneness. It just it all resolves around Uncle Ben. Just that's, all that's Uncle the Ben. Only theory I have. <laughs> no, um, it, it's it's like uh, I, I think it's also people who are very self aware. People who are very self aware and, and considerate, thoughtful. But what but, leads to that? Do you think is it just like genes? No, I don't think so because your mom is very mean and selfish. Just kidding. <laughs> Not mean, but selfish. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding, Miss Petrova. I didn't mean that. I was just joking. That was. 
Uh, oh, but I, but she would gladly describe herself as selfish. <laughs> like, well, she I, always I would... tried to teach me about the power of self-interest, and I they'd, like never took. My grandmother, but... on the other hand, we talk about her. This is like three episodes in a row we're talking yeah. about my grandmother, but very, very guilt-prone all the time. I don't think it's genetic. Thoughtfulness isn't genetic. Well, so actually, there is research that shows that it might be genetic, and in particular, a mix of genes and environment. So Aurora and her team found that we have guilt-prone genes. However... They tend to be activated by early childhood trauma. Oh, wow. So, you know, there's there's genes, there's things that occur to us that sort of wake those genes up. The other thing that I wanted to explore as I went down this murder mystery <laughs> is can your family's or caretaker's parenting style have an impact on guilt proneness? So, for example, people who are like you said in the very beginning, like, yeah, I know guilt. I have a mother. Yeah. Right? So guilt tripping <laughs> or guilting as a verb I was curious to see, is there any evidence that people who are raised by these guilters, are they more guilt prone? I came across a linguistics research paper by Rachel Organs called, If You Do That, I'm Going to Be Heartbroken, The Language of Jewish American Guilting. <laughs> One of my favorite aspects of this paper is that she actually includes a joke. You know, I'm terrible at jokes, but I'm going to Yeah, no, you're great. I want to hear it. How many Jewish mothers does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know how many. <sighs> don't bother. I'll sit in the dark. I don't want to be a nuisance to anyone. <laughs> So a lot of people will recognize this in their own culture. I heard that in Jackie Mason's uh, yeah, voice. that's good. Um, so while many people identified with this joke, psychologist Taya Cohen and team found that Jewish and Catholic people were no more guilt-prone than other religious people. So guilting or taking people on guilt trips actually doesn't seem to be the cause of guilt-proneness, though there is evidence that early childhood experiences whether traumatic or just even lightly traumatic, <laughs> can lead to hyper-responsibility. So in particular, psychologists suspect that kids who grow up feeling responsible for their own caregivers mm -hmm. or others in the family, like who take it on like it's their job, learn to put their needs aside and prioritize others because it's just something that we're doing from a very early age. Wow. Okay. So that I 100% can relate to. So to summarize... Guilt proneness, hyper responsibility, likely the result of a mix of genes and early childhood experiences. Yep. But again, it's a self reinforcing behavior. So that's the reason that it's so hard to kick because you alleviate the guilt, it feels good, and it results in positive reactions in others. So it feeds itself, but it wears you down hmm. if you do it over and over and over. And then if you stop, like, I don't know if you've seen me try to stop in the past. And then I just become kind of like a nervous wreck and I don't know what to do with myself. I think I just get out of your way. I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I don't think I stick around. <laughs> I think I see this happening and then I'm like, meep, 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 meep. yeah. And I like that you make that sound too. Yeah. Slinker off. It makes it very clear that you're slinkering off. Mm -hmm. um, so in psychology, this is called an extinction burst. So what happens when we try to drop a familiar behavior is it kind of kicks into full effect it like makes it go even more intense as mm -hmm. you're trying to get rid of this thing so it's very hard to kick it's almost like it's like an addiction for your mm. brain so extinction burst extinction burst that's great yeah, you so can also experience that at a chili cook-off <laughs> if i'm not mistaken <laughs> same thing there's actually a brand of chili called extinction burst so. all right so let's go back to how you're my therapist yep. and now let's fix me. Okay. So how can guilt prone and hyper-responsible people feel less of that pressure without feeling, without losing some of those benefits for ourselves and for other people? I think like if you're in a bar fight, right? Okay. If, you're a, if you're in a big fight with a bunch, it doesn't have to be in a bar, but there's a lot of people around, like, everyone's throwing punches. It's a, it's a, it's a real brouhaha, a uh -huh. melee, if you will. Great. You I grab can visualize the, it. You grab the... <laughs> there, now, but what I'm saying is if you're in a fight with a group of people and it's a large group of people and you don't know where the punches are coming from, it's very overwhelming. So what you do is grab the closest person in front of you and you handle that. You knock them out. You, well, you handle that. So like with anything, I think you have to sh like sharpen your scope. In other words, mm. you have to like hone in on a particular thing that you can do today. And while that might not knock down the wall of responsibility, it'll definitely take care of a brick. And as you pull back, you'll be able to see fewer and fewer bricks in that wall. That's, nice. That's how I'd see it. Yeah. Um, so as your therapist, I would say that and probably Oxycontin. <laughs> uh, I, I can prescribe you Oxy. Ah, all right. Thank you. I, I'll, I'll start with the brick by brick 
punching yeah. my problems out. And then we'll go 40 first. milligrams yeah. Yeah. Uh, oxy. We just saw dope sick, so I'm all about the oxy. Yeah. I mean, not all, not all about it. I'm saying. <laughs> we like just saw a... dope, stick, dope sick and it, <laughs> dope did not, uh, it did not stick. <laughs> it did not have the intended effect. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let me tell you my takeaway from the research. I've tried some of these things that I'll share with you mm-hmm. um, as of like last night, and, and it does seem to be working as of last night, but you know. Well, I don't like people to self-diagnose or self-medicate. So I know, you hate as that. your therapist, uh, I'm going to have to say, don't share any of this. Just kidding. <laughs> In case this helps anyone else. So I've got three kind of three, three buckets here. Change your mindset, change your habits, change your fuel source. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Mindset. This one, like your brick by brick thing, right? I appreciate that. But all of the tools and techniques that I read related to people who are kind of hyper responsible is focused on like, well, just do less. I'm like, but I don't feel like I should be doing less. I genuinely feel like I should be doing more. So I think the first thing that has to happen in order for any of those tools to work is some kind of shift in the mindset. Okay. Because if Uncle Ben told me with great power comes responsibility, like how do I put that down and acknowledge that it's also true? So for me, here are two that I'm playing around with. One is play the long game. So if with great power comes great responsibility, let me not burn myself out and only do good for like a, you know, a short period of time. Let me invest in keeping myself motivated and healthy enough to keep Mm -hmm. doing good for a long period of time. Sure. Right. So like Spider-Man should really be not becoming so exhausted that he can't help anyone. Yeah. So that's one. Which is what he did. I I think he's doing that now. I think he, yeah, he, he support from the Avengers support from like his, his, Friends and family. Uh, nice. In the beginning, I think he was like trying to stop everything. Whereas Batman, still, still not so good. Still not no. so good. And how many years has it's it been? It's been about Batman? eighty years, and <laughs> my man is he looks great for eighty. I'll give him that. And here's another one. So this one I'm I'm trying to play around with because I think one of the problems with the like play the long game, and I've people have told me this before. Like if you can't take care of if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. That still feels very extrinsically motivating. Like I'm only going to take care of myself because it's for others. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing around with this idea of symbiosis. Instead of thinking I have to be good to myself so I can be good to others, can I think of myself more like I get to take some responsibility for the world and I get to experience the joy of being part of this world. Hmm. Can it be a mutual gain? And then I think you can get to the kind of brick by brick habit change that you were talking about. So this the the change your habits kind of strategy is all about how do you just stop perpetuating the guilt by stretching yourself too thin? Part of that is, like you said, what's the thing right in front of you? One of the things I've been trying to do is like, and I feel like you've been telling me this all along, is your to-do list, three things max. And then do the most important thing first and just get that out of the way so that you're not constantly having these intrusive thoughts of like, you forgot this thing, you didn't do this thing, you didn't do this thing. Here's a great habit tip that comes from psychologist Ellen Hendrickson. She says, return responsibilities as if they were overdue library books. Return responsibilities like they were overdue library books. It's great. Yeah. And it could be literal responsibility. Like, you know what? I'm not going to wake you up in the morning if that was my responsibility. Or it could be an emotional responsibility. Like, I'm not going to feel responsible anymore for this person's happiness. Is that meaning that it wasn't yours to begin with? It's hard to say what is and what isn't your responsibility. If you're hyper-responsible, you do feel like everything's your responsibility. So I think the, the trick here is just to go, which of these can I let go? Mm-hmm. So I love that. And then just being really careful about taking on additional responsibilities because each one you take on is going to make you feel that much more yeah. hyper-responsible or guilt-prone. A couple of other ones, create shift work. You know, most of us aren't working in shifts anymore. And the problem with that is that we're always on. There's always the possibility of, well, I could be doing more. I could be doing more. I could be doing more. So I think it can be so powerful to just create those, here's the beginning of my responsible time and here's the end of it. Yeah. And I think just as importantly is to actually schedule, especially if you're guilt prone, schedule time for you to do the things that bring you energy. Because if you're not putting them on your calendar, you're most likely not going to do them because they're for you. And I guess the trick is hard starts and stops. Yeah, right. So like not to, oh, well, I can do 10 more minutes. Right. I can do. Oh, I can do 10 more minutes of this thing that I feel hyper responsible for. So then hard stops. Hard stops. More than stops. Exactly. And yeah. And that's just, again, that's just to make this an actually sustainable thing that you do. Uh, I think another one is when you're prone to guilt or when you're prone to taking on too much responsibility, all you're focusing on is the next thing you're supposed to do, the next thing you're supposed to do, the next thing you're supposed to do, all the things you're not doing. And I think it's so important to 
create these sink in rituals where you can sit with what you did do and say, oh, yeah, that made an impact or mm. like, oh, look, this thing that I did resulted in something really positive. Yeah. And then the last one, I know you're going to be skeptical about this one. I was for a long time, but create mini mindfulness rituals. So Kung and Tan found uh, in their study that participants who followed a 10 minute long guided mindful breathing session reduced their levels of shame and it works for guilt as well. So like a meditation session? It, it just has to be mindfulness. So you don't, you basically just have to be very in the present. You could be noticing your breath for 10 minutes. You could be uh, noticing the sounds around you for 10 minutes. So it's like just being really, really grounded in the present and being hyper aware of the present. And then the last thing that I'm personally feeling excited to figure out is to change your fuel source. So the way I've been thinking about guilt since starting to dig into this research is it is a fuel source, but it's like coal as a fuel source. Or like what's a really bad fuel source? Anything other than electric right now, I guess <laughs> I would say. So it's, what's like the worst one? The worst fuel source, uh, human babies. Okay, human babies. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Of... I'm gonna stick with puppies. Coal is coal bad. I'm gonna go with coal. Okay. Okay. So I've been using coal. Okay, and it's been getting me places. Right. I'm getting stuff done. I am accomplishing. You know, I am helping and blah blah blah. So my question for myself now is: Can I still get those things done without using coal as my fuel source? Can I upgrade to a more sustainable source of energy can okay uh can you give me an example that's not coal like like <laughs> in human like what am i what's my fuel source yeah as so a, right as a now person? what fuels me is guilt what fuels me is like if i i feel awful if i don't do this thing okay what i want to experiment is like instead of doing things because i feel bad not doing them can i do them because i'm excited to do them gotcha okay. can i can i tell myself instead of telling myself i should that's be a little doing more this clear than <laughs> okay coal and babies human babies. <laughs> i think you're the one that made this difficult with the babies but anyway my point is it's it's still fuel it's still motivation could you use motivation that's more sustainable so mm -hmm. uh a few that i've been thinking about is like i get to do this versus i have to do this oh that's cool or this is a win-win i get to do this thing i get to enjoy it and and it, there's a positive benefit for others yeah. or i'm making something that creates joy for myself and others you know what? I think that this whole thing is actually working for me Yeah. because I am feeling not at all guilty right now for asking our listeners to leave us a review and to spread the word about this podcast. So and I, I feel no shame in agreeing with you. <laughs> Fantastic. So listeners, please do spread the word. Do it for us. Now I'm guilting people. Do it for our kick-ass editor, Alyssa Green. Do it for your fellow humans. And do it for, uh, you know, human baby fuel. For human to prevent the use of human, human baby, baby fuel. fuel. And if you're celebrating, happy Lunar New Year, everyone. Happy Lunar New Year, and thank you for listening to Talk, Talk Psych to Me. I'm sorry about the rain. Uh, can I borrow your No, cell say phone? it like a human. <laughs>